Hi, I'm Pat Connolly, and I'm an old, crazy runner. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Old Crazy Runners. I'm Nicholas, the oldest of the old crazy runners, and I've got my cousin Fundy, the craziest of the crazy runners. And you're going to want to stick around for Coach Pat Connolly, who has only helped 30,000 people cross the finish line at the LA Marathon. Listening to Coach Pat, without question, made me a better runner. Well, definitely made me more handsome. How, how did it make you more handsome? I don't know, because I'm running with better form. I'm out there. Everybody's looking, ooh, look at that old guy running better. You wear a fanny pack water bottle thingy. Yes, well, I had be, to make up for handsome. it. You can't be handsome. That, that's the thing. I listened to Coach Pat Connolly. I'm like, he's going to help me make up for my water fanny pack bottle thingy. That definitely yang. doesn't make me more handsome, so I got I to gotta offset it. So I, I feel like oh, he's, he's helped me do that with better form. You're going to definitely want to go out and tell a friend that you listen to Coach Pat because uh, they will get as much information out of this as you did. And while you're at it, take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast as well. We really need to see those numbers grow. And if you aren't a member of the Old Crazy Runners podcast, Strava Run Club, hop on over there, become a member because that's where all the old crazy people hang out. And we have an upcoming guest, Steve Salinda. Over 60 years old, and he is number two this week in distance, running time, and climbing with only 75.4 miles and 12,000 feet of elevation. Yeah, Steve's a great conversation. Also, a uh, good motivation that you can just get out there and keep running. And if you happen to live in amongst hills, you'll have as much vert as he does. And uh, speaking of motivate, I think he's going to motivate Drew, Drew Roberts this next week because he beat him by 0.3 miles. Oh, man. Drew's also putting in some crazy, crazy runs and elevation. I'm not surprised to see it and with the weather turning, but still, man, that is just a lot to put out there. Okay, so uh, I have, I think I have the penultimate craziness of at least this month, if not this year, with Ricky Lightfoot out of England, the UK. You know it's something crazy in the UK. They do weird shit over there. So... He, uh, first person in 15 years to cross the finish line ahead of a horse. Oh, you, in that's a right. man you versus horse me. race. Oh, that's right. You teased me with that a while back. That's <laughs> an amazing feat. But listen so, to this. Yes. It's a 22 mile course. And he beat the horse. And yes, it's that only ride. 22 miles. I thought yeah, it was farther than that. But still 22 miles, a horse is going to kick your ass over 22 miles. How do you beat the horse? Well, that's because, you know, it, actually, that's, that was the whole point of the race, was the conversation around who would be able to run farther, a man or a horse, because yeah. our ability to perspire and expel heat makes us go longer distances better than other animals, even if they ran faster. And if you beat the horse, that includes mandatory stopping time for the horse to have a rest period and he still beat him yeah and there's you know uh, but first time in 50 years so they made the the course you know kind of you know hard but the uh, i want to give you this quote from uh ricky lightfoot okay. i think the most british quote i've ever heard in my life so after he finishes bbc asks him for how he felt and this was his quote 
it's great to win the event and beat the horse. It's great. <laughs> it's great to to win the event and to beat the horse. It's great. I don't know if I want oh, to hang wow. out and drink beer with this guy. I'm not sure. 22 or two hours, 22 minutes, 23 seconds. Yes. Okay, I just want to say he was one second off from doing two hours, 22 minutes, 22 seconds in a 22-mile race. That would have been even more cool. That would have been impressive. That would have been impressive. Still, beat a horse. I know. <laughs> Not crazy. on my bucket list. No, me too. Impressive, though. First in 15 years and one of only a handful that have done it. It's uh, quite the feat. I, how many, do you know how many participated in this year's event? It's not just him. Well, there's also, there was more than one horse also. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. It was, it was just chaos. Chaos in England, man and horses running through the fields. I know what's going on. Okay, so hold on a second. I, I just clicked on the link here. Beat the horse by two minutes. Uh, I'm assuming because of 1,200 runners. There you go. 1,200 runners. I'm assuming because of his travel to get there, but it states that he had been awake for 29 hours before (laughs) he started the race. Well, okay. Oh, this is Wales. Okay, no, this is a this is a different race, and there's a there's an American version of this as well. I was wondering why the 22 miles seemed a little odd. I think the American version is longer than that. Uh, so he, they had to run through soggy dales and open moorland. Don't know what that is. That sounds like an, a, a Scottish drinking song. <laughs> it makes me want to drink. Don't a Scottish. Okay, I'm not even going to try and do a Scottish Don't even do that. Nope. Do Don't even try. I'm, I'm glad I stopped right there. But that is a lyric right out of some <laughs> sort of song that would repeat itself ad infinitum. Other big news. Yeah. Uh. I ran into Alex that we used to bowl against. Remember, you always used to call me Twinkle Toes. Okay. My neighbor over here. I don't know if you remember him, but he started running also. Okay. And I saw him on the course at Seabrook and uh, was walking my dog, said hi. So we went for a run together and he has joined a series that, I'm not going to lie, it looks pretty good. A bunch of one-day relays, same format as the Seabrook. Six people, one van, one day, two legs, and they have five. In May, they got the gorgeous Portland Pub, which I think you just go drink. And then uh, gorgeous Wine Country, which I think has a lot of elevation. The gorgeous Coast, the Gorge, the gorge Relay, and then the Hood to Hood, where you run around Mount Hood. And, and there's lots of photos of people drinking beer. So uh, they are definitely marketing towards us. Well, these are cool. We're going to have to definitely check these out. I'm looking forward to doing some more of those one days. They are a lot of fun. Are you a convert? Have you drink, drink the Kool-Aid now that you've got the stride pot? Are you, are you fully embracing? So I, I am currently sipping the Kool-Aid. I'm enjoying the Kool-Aid. Um, I feel like you got the right flavor. Uh, I'm enjoying the power dynamics. Uh, when I ran the last week, a couple weeks ago when I was running, um, I just did a, a pace run and I wasn't right. looking at my pace and I was just looking at the power and I uh, did five or six miles, eight sixteen pace. So I was moving right along. And then yeah. uh, the other week I did my uh, 5k PR and uh, bumped that power up. It's interesting. I'm going to, I need to follow it. I'm uh, it is giving me um, 
feedback on what I should be doing like a 10K half marathon marathon times already, and they are not correct. <laughs> are they a little aggressive? They're a little aggressive. So we'll see, we'll see if that evens out over time. Well, it does take at least 60 days for it to really figure you know, out what you're doing. So I'm not surprised that right now things are maybe a little bit out of whack. Uh, but it is already showing that running to that metric versus heart rate or specific pace, but just trying to stay within your power, uh, it does push you to really train a little bit harder, but yet stay within the, the metrics that you're supposed to stay in. Yeah, so we'll see. So when you're doing your easy runs, are you running at the top of that power? Because right now my power is pretty broad. I think it's like a... My easy run is like a 215 to 245 or something. Pretty broad power range. So are you usually up at the top or end of that? Um, I usually try and stay right in the middle. But I'll, okay. almost always I'm going to be in the upper half versus the lower half. But if, if we go back through, like on our Wednesday runs, Scotty G and I, uh, you know, we're consistently, I want to be between 80 and 90%, and I'm at 86, 87 on yeah. multiple splits and we stay, we stay right in that zone. Um, you know, what's super important is as we approach, you know, training and, you know, not just the metrics that we use to run, but the types of runs that we're going out there and, you know, doing this without a coach, like we would benefit if we engaged with somebody like coach Pat Connolly, it's really helpful to have at least some sort of intelligence behind what we're doing instead of our dumbasses just going out there trying to run to our heart rate one day when you don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on, uh, but it's good. So I am motivated to really work on my speed this year. Uh, I'm not going to, like we've discussed, I'm moving. So I'm not going to have the time to be doing full marathon training. So I want to work on speed, at least 5k, 10k speeds, maybe half marathon if I can work in the time around that. So Having these extra power metrics, I think, I think it's going to be good. Well, it definitely has benefited me. And like I say, you know, without the benefit of having an actual coach engaged in my training, just going at this a little bit ad hoc, it's at least continued to push and nudge things forward in ways that I really hadn't known how to do on my own before. Um, now, that said, it certainly does support going out and actually working with somebody who knows what the hell they're talking about. The one thing that really sticks in my mind about talking with coach Pat is his 97% success rate of getting people to finish the LA marathon. And that's out of 30,000 people. 97% success rate. He's going to advocate the finishing pace, which is something all of us should really embrace to begin with. And it is about just accepting where you are in your training, what you're trying to get done and making sure that you get out there and cross that finish line. I also like a number of his little tidbits that just work to make you a stronger runner. Simple things like arm positioning while you're running. What's that going to do to your speed or your pace, your cadence? It's great information. You're going to love the conversation. Let's get to it. And here we have Coach Pat Connolly, which you're probably all familiar with from the Human Race documentary. Or if you live in the L.A. area, you might know him because he might have been your coach. 
Supposedly, he has coached more runners across the LA Marathon than any other coach in history. I'm pretty sure it's not even supposedly. I'm pretty sure it's true. Welcome to our podcast, Coach. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited about this. I'm super excited, too. Did you have a chance to listen to Liz Vassie's interview? Oh, I sure did. Uh, it was really fun, and uh, what a great gal. And uh, uh, we all owe so much to her uh, for what she's provided old, crazy runners. Yeah, well, we owe so much to you and all that you're providing to runners of all ages. So going starting off with, with Liz, did you find yourself in the documentary because you were already working with Jose, or had you been approached by Liz? I wasn't quite sure how that dynamic played out. Uh, somehow Liz found out about me, and um, after 55 years of coaching, I just limited it to one Tuesday night a week at Birmingham High School, my alma mater here, and she came through the gate. You know, this really bubbly, happy uh, woman and with her husband and says, I'm looking for Coach Pat Conley. And I said, well, that's me. <laughs> and then she told me that she told me uh, what she wanted to do. And I was excited and really thrilled uh, to be a part of it. So she just walked up out of the blue. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. I was, you know, I was really surprised. <laughs> and that's why uh, so many people love her, as she is just infectious, and she will just do anything out of the blue just to make something happen. That's what I really liked about her. She, she really made it fun, and you wanted to do the best you could just because uh, of her goodness. Well, that's an interesting comment because I hear that time and again from runners talking about their coaches uh, that drive because they can't disappoint the person that they've really become invested in. It sounds like uh, you know that from both sides of the coin. That's right. I mean, I, I was the same way as an athlete, and uh, I'm I'm blessed that so many athletes tell me the same thing. Speaking of being an athlete, uh, it's worth noting for everybody here that uh, you're not just an old crazy coach. Uh, for old crazy runners, but uh, you, word on the street is that you've run a four eleven mile and a two hour thirty two minute marathon. <laughs> crazy. Uh, that's correct. That's correct. When I was way back, only twenty five. So just, I'm eighty two. Just a couple <laughs> years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you probably remember it like it's yesterday, though. It's funny about age. Crazy runners. Um, each year you're older, your times get faster. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you still run today what does your running look like for you uh at this point yeah you know what uh, i good lord to be taking me if i didn't keep running and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I i i get out and i go i i'm i will really i like time span running not mileage so a day i want to go 45 minutes so i'm out the front door 22 and a half turn around and come back <laughs> so i'm not stressed out by oh it's only four miles and i'm tired well that's that's awesome so how uh how many hours do you run a week usually i i get in at least four days a week and i have a bike and i do some biking so um that really keeps me pretty fit yeah and you know we all saw in the documentary with some of the doctors talking and um how healthy running uh keeps you both physically and mentally and i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about 
how you feel running has helped you as you've, you know, gone into your 80s? Well, you know, it really reaches two important points uh, in a lifetime. One is the psychological advantage that uh, you uh, have a goal, you complete your goal, it adds that aura of self-esteem and you feel better about yourself and makes you do better at your job, at your home. Uh, so running really uh, complements that area. Then, of course, if you look at the engine in the car, you know, everything's uh, up-tuned and uh, you got oil in the uh, engine and you have uh, uh, powerful spark plugs that fire it up. And it's really simpler for the human body. Your organs uh, work at a much higher level um, and it's so promising when you get older to be able to achieve that level on, on both sides. So as you look back on your um, experience in your life as a runner, uh, how have you taken those personal uh, ups and downs that you experienced and then channel that into your coaching? Uh, well, you know, my coaching is life experience. And um, I always say I'm just a messenger. Uh, Coach Pete Petersons and Bill Bowerman and uh, Arthur Lydiard and, and the great coaches in the past uh, have added to that greatly. And I try to uh, be an example as they were for athletes and, and myself in particular. And um, I find running uh, such a compliment going through the many stresses that I went through. I spent 30 years in the Los Angeles Police Department. And I'm telling you, uh, all the obstacles and stresses that I had to face on that job alone, besides raising a family and getting over to SC or UCLA or my high school with coach, that's a lot of stress. But uh, I found I'd get off work maybe at midnight and I'd go for an hour run before I turned in for the night. And it just kind of erased everything and I could start new the next day. That run, uh, it was so valuable. And I, I think it made me a, a better cop, a better person, better husband. So I'm very thankful that uh, uh, I was blessed with an energy to become a runner, which is a story in itself. Yeah, and we want to touch uh, a little bit on your service to the community with the police force and stuff later. But I'd love to hear why you think running is unique in its ability to uh, help us uh, mentally and stressors, um, just to say, I don't get the same out of weightlifting, for example, that I get out of, of running. Why do, why do you think it's running particular? Well, you know, you, you put yourself in an environment to do your exercise, unlike a weight room and, uh, unlike a treadmill indoors at a gym, you're outdoors, you know, you feel the fresh air, uh, in your face, uh, uh, you have the scenery and camaraderie of other runners, um, and um, it, it just brings nature into that goal. And so uh, that's why running uh, is so valuable. Now, you know, I can't play in Lambeau Field and, and with the Packers, and I can't play in Dodger Stadium, but, you know, I can step out on a 10K course with the best runner in the world. I'm racing them, of course, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I'm racing them, but yeah, look what I get to do. I get to step 
uh, out on the starting line uh, with superior athletes and, and be able to participate with them. You don't, you can't find that uh, old crazy runners in every sport. That's true. And we've mentioned before, uh, one thing that's unique to the running community is that those world-class athletes will welcome the slowest of us in the bunch and, and speak to us as peers, basically, because they understand that core value that running brings. Absolutely. I remember running in the Coliseum Relays years ago, which was a huge track and field event here in Los Angeles at one time. And uh, uh, to meet um, Jim Beatty uh, and, and, and run along and warm up with him or Jim Ryan, um, it was just, it was, you know, it, their spirit and their enthusiasm and kindness just blended into your soul and you took that with you the next day. So um, let's kind of go back in time a little bit. One thing that we've noticed, um, you were in the Los Angeles Police Force and you were uh, integral to creating uh, D.A.R.E. Uh, to to encourage uh, youth to either you know keep away from drugs or get off drugs and uh, became an educator. It seems like you have been a leader and coach your entire life. I, you know, I have, um, you know, I, I remember third grade, I'd love to get up in front of the class and tell everybody what I did over the weekend. You know, I got a really a thrill out of it. And, and so I've always been able to communicate and, and speak to five people or 500, you know, uh, road runners are our highest count. I would do a warm up with 2000 road runners in Venice. Uh, that's how big our program was. And, um, you know, it just comes easily and, uh, people are amazed. And I said, what I, I'm thinking, what are they thinking about? I, <laughs> you know, I, well, gee, this is so easy, but, um, I, th- you know, in coaching, you know, you can teach, you can teach the athlete form and technique and knee lift and push off and arm swing and proper breathing and relaxation. Uh, you can get all that out of a book, but if you can't communicate it, um, then your coaching is 50% less. So I've always really been able to uh, motivate and stimulate athletes to go further than they thought they could. And that's the big reward. That's what I was going to kind of get to is, is that reward. What, what is it that keeps you coming back? Um, is, uh, it seems like it's really entrenched in, community and kind of just helping people that desire to help others you know what it it's payback and i won't make this a long story but i'm in the ninth grade going into senior i failed pe every year i didn't like athlete uh, sports i was self-conscious and not confident and my coach said my te teacher said you need to go out for a spring sport because my high school junior i was becoming a high school and I said, no, I'm going to go in the Navy. <laughs> and he said, I said, I'm getting out of here like my five brothers. And um, you have to go out for a sport. And baseball kicked me out. And tennis kicked me out. And swimming kicked me out. And the only thing left was track. And so I went to the track. And the coach says, you think you're fast? I'm going to time you in a 100-yard dash. 
and he stopped to watch and he looked at it and looked at it and looked at me and looked at it, Pat Conley. 20 years of coaching. This is the slowest time. <laughs> and, oh, I'm done. I'm done. So I walk across the track and two guys are running around. Can I run with them? And I got in behind them. And they, after about nine laps, they stopped. And I said, why did you stop? You know, we're only supposed to go two miles. And the coach came running, Pat, you're going to be a distance runner. And that's how it all started. And, but it, and, and I was so thankful that that coach, uh, other people, better runners, just gave me their time and effort to teach me to be a better athlete and a better person because of it. And I just so grateful, so grateful for that because it, you know, took me into college and uh, running uh, on the Southern California Striders for five years after, all because, you know, I made that one small decision uh, to go out for a sport. So when you look at your um, time as a coach, how have you taken that moment of when somebody recognize something in you that you didn't see in yourself and how do you apply that as a coach to the mass of people that you get the opportunity to, to um, interact with? Well, you know, I don't know, but uh, then I get uh, for road runners, I'd get a note put on my windshield and it was some runner unidentified would write, this has been the greatest experience in my life. I never thought that I could do a marathon. You made me a believer, um, and uh, I'm just so appreciative uh, of your time. Uh, or in high school, they had the school annuals when I'm coaching, and the kids wrote just wonderful, wonderful things uh, about how coaching, my coaching, changed their life to do better in many different areas. And, uh, and, and so I knew then, uh, that, you know, I've got to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, it's, it, it's uh, a, a goal that I feel necessary to give back what they gave to me. Well, I would say you've given back uh, thousands multiple fold. times. Yeah, <laughs> thousands exactly. Thousands yeah. Well, I mean, that's really, uh, that's really beautiful that it's really driven by uh, your goal to return what you've received from other people. And I think that in, especially in today's society, I think that we could, can all learn from that. And if we all took that to heart and, and push to give back more than we receive, we would be in a much better place. Well, um, I've experienced it and I'm so grateful. Um, you know, a runner's come to my house and they knock on my door and you coached me in 1992 in the LA Marathon. I wanted to, you to meet my two sons or, or mm -hmm. my high school kids come back and they knock on the door and, and uh, want to tell me they're married. They're vice president of a, a, a big company. And, you know, they learn uh, to take on the goal to succeed uh, running on my team. And that, that is just, it is just, I'm, I'm just blown away. You know, I just, you know, and so that's a great experience. So Liz had commented that you described your marathon or your long distance coaching, just more of a, a middle of the pack approach, not trying to crush records and, and 
and beat the best. Uh, talk a little bit about what that means to coach somebody to just that finishing pace. Well, it goes back to I was the middle of the pack. You know, um, I didn't let her in track my first year, and um, uh, and so I knew what it was like to have better runners in front of me and the coaches pay really more attention to them on daily conversations and I maybe work harder. I want to get up into that group. Uh, so I like coaching in the middle of the pack and uh, sure I can have five or six runners that are uh, coached that are under 235 or, uh, and uh, it's exciting to watch them go. But you look at the everyday person the person that lives by themselves, an old crazy runner, and <laughs> yeah. lives by his or herself, and they have a TV tray at night. All they have is uh, coming back on a Saturday morning once a week and train with X amount of people and have the attention of a coach. Uh, and to watch them change uh, in body weight um, and healthy complexion and and spirit, um, uh, it's just such a rewarding, rewarding um, result for them and for me as a coach. So I like to see them excel. See, coach, um, I won the break five and I ran 422. And um, it is just, it's just really great. And I, when I was coaching the LA Marathon, um, I would be at the finish line and I high five everyone that comes in and to see their faces uh they're 35 they're 45 they're 70 yeah finishing their first marathon and you know it is just it's unbelievable and and i tell them you are athletes you're not a marathon runner don't think those that um run on the u.s olympic team are just athletes you are an athlete you went out on a limb. You took a chance. And um, even though you might have failure and you succeeded, and that's going to give you uh, motivation in your job, I'm going to try to promote. It, it works every time. That's really great. And one thing that I'd like to get into is a little bit of kind of practicality for our listeners out there who maybe they're not running, maybe they've never run, maybe they're 50 years old, 60, you know, 70 and want to start running and uh, they're, you know, doing nothing. Maybe they're walking a little. Where? What's your starting point for people like that when they come up and be like, hey, I want to run a half marathon and I can't run at all right now? Well, you know, the first thing, I'll spend 20 minutes with them introducing the life of running and what the end result can be for them as we've already discussed. And of course, um, I, you know, I don't want them to go out and buy a lot of new running stuff and they wear it for two weeks and it <laughs> ends up on the closet and they don't wear it anymore. I call them, you know, spring day runners, but, um, take, you know, take them along slow and compliment them and motivate them and tell them, Hey, that's great. You did 30 minutes, two minute walk, three, um, two-minute run for 30 minutes. Wow, that is great. Or just walk. And then as they progress and uh, get confident, gee, I can do this. The hardest thing for a coach really is holding the reins, holding them back because they got the adrenaline, the excitement, and they want to do a little more and maybe to impress me. 
uh, and they do. But I have to say, slow down. We're going to take this one step at a time. And um, they graduate to an hour walk jog, and then they're running an hour without walking. Well, we could have used you last Saturday holding us back because <laughs> we talked ourselves into running farther than we were uh, prepared for having taken uh, some, some days off with the, the wildfires that we had. So uh, excellent advice that, uh, you know, the drive to want to get out there and hit that next milestone sometimes has to be balanced with what is healthy for your body at that point. Exactly right. And I'm going to hit you up with, uh, uh, I'm going to put you to a little test here. So um, I've been running off and on since uh, I was 43, so about seven years, and then uh, I got some sciatic pain. I had to take like a year and a half off of running. I couldn't run. My whole leg was asleep. Now I'm back running. I'm uh, going to complete my fifth half marathon this year, and I've always held that marathon out as something scary that I may or may not do in the future. Um, so uh, fifth half marathon, doing really well. If, if you were to put a rough sketch of a plan for me to run a marathon next year, what would that look like? Well, here again, I, 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 um, I would, I take things very, very slow. And, um, my first, uh, thing that I would do for you is form and technique and uh, teach you how to run with a proper stride and foot plant and push off that will complement you, not tear you down and not have more pounds of pressure jamming up through your knees and hips. And so that, and, and so when you run, it's a light step, light step, pitter patter, light step. And, um, uh, and then gradually build you up. Okay. Uh, we're doing a 12 mile this week. We'll do 13. Then we'll do 14 and, and build you up, uh, to 18 and, um, one, you know, just add a mile a week. And, um, then I would, uh, analyze and view what you're doing. And, uh, I might say, you know, let's go back to 15. I think you need a little more, more work. Uh, you're not staying relaxed. You're not breathing through the mouth and exhaling to get enough oxygen in your system to feed the bloodstream to go into the muscles. So, Hey, we got to back down because you're not doing those things. And, uh, so it's just a slow progression, always keeping you safe. And, um, you know, do a gait analysis and you, and you pronate or supinate uh, or you run with one arm lower than the other. Say my right arm is carried too low, but my left arm is, has a nice swing from the hip. Well, that means the left leg doesn't have the power that it should have uh, with the knee coming up because your right arm brings up the left knee. And so people forget about arm action and it's 30% of your progress. So you know, correcting arm action uh, is really important. And so I'd make sure all of those things uh, through repetition are solved. Okay, uh, you've learned uh, all the uh, responsibilities and training to jump out of an airplane. Now today we're going to jump out of the airplane. And that would be, you know, we're going to, I want you to enter this half marathon. I'm going to be there. Um, and uh, I analyze and see where, the, where there might be a breakdown. Or um, And most people have their fastest time. Gee, I didn't know you should have the shorter stride. I thought the longer stride, the better. And uh, I didn't know that chin should be slightly down. If my head goes back, it pulls my shoulders back. And now I'm fighting gravity. 
gravity's pulling me back. So I need to put my body in a position where gravity has helped taking me forward. And that's what I uh, teach for you and uh, take you through the process. Now, some people shouldn't run a marathon. You know, they have uh, the problems in, in sciatic and, and um, you know, 49,000 steps on cement. There's just some people can't do it. <laughs> uh, so follow I, up, I don't advise them to. Follow-up question, how would you like to move to Portland, Oregon? Yeah, that sounds like pretty good advice. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to just move up here, we'll get you a place, and you can just meet us every Saturday morning down for Portland's our run. Portland's a great place. It yeah. is, yeah. So uh, that's, my, that's, yeah. that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for you to move to our area. So you can coach us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went up. To, I went up to Eugene. Um, um, Bill Dillinger invited me up, uh, I, uh, and uh, I spent uh, six months there. And I met Bowerman and 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 fed off him. You know. Yeah. I just drained everything I could out of him, <laughs> and uh, uh, the, and I brought it back home with me. Beautiful place. I mean, you just rattled that off like you have told so many people that same formula. Uh, and to me, what stood out is the, I mean, really it's, it's, it doesn't have to be this expansive, crazy detailed plan. It's generally pretty straightforward, but it's, it's executing on that and it's identifying where you fall within those parameters. And I think that having that outside eye as a coach is something that all of us, really need to invest in if we want to take this to a next level or go somewhere that we haven't quite gone yet. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, you know, it takes a half hour to do a gait analysis properly. And after I teach them the gait analysis, hey, they're on their way. And um, I'm not going to babysit them. But every time I see them run by and I see something that dropped out of the proper form and technique to be the best you can be, then I'll stop them now and I'll hold their elbow. Now the elbow uh, comes to the hip and you bring the wrist back to the hip and the elbow, you know, that's economy gear. And when you go into power, all you do is bring that elbow up past, past, and the fingers come up towards your jaw. Now your, your stride is going to, uh, uh, it's going to have just a slightly fasty turnover, but you are going to take a bigger bite uh, with, each, with each step. And the arms do it. You, you know, I love I loved to coach and I put them in a line. Okay, I'm going to give you three commands. Go. I want you to jog next to me. Don't use your arms at all. And then when I say arms up, I want you to drive the arms with power. And when they do that, when I say uh, arms up, I stop. And uh, I mean, I, I don't bring my arms up and I say stop. They're 30 yards in front of me. I said, well, why are you? I didn't. Did anybody hear me say go faster? No. <laughs> and why, why are you 30 yards up? Because you used your arms and I didn't. It's such a simple test. And so, you know, I would, uh, both Nicholas and I brought our arms up and we're practicing uh, our arm movements. And I'm sure that uh, quite a few listeners are doing the same. <laughs> Indeed. It made me think back to my, uh, my track coach. I, unlike Fundy, I did run track for a couple of years uh, as required by my football coach because he's, you got to somehow cut that piano off from dragging behind you there, guy. Uh, and her advice was always to think about holding a potato chip in between your index finger and your thumb. 
And yeah, I say leaf. I say leaf, but potato chip is great. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the idea of you know making sure you you cross the finish line with both those intact. Right. Anytime that I'm in the middle of a run, uh, that's a lot of what I go back to is thinking about those those basics. Uh, or if I you know I'll step a little bit wrong, and then just knowing that the entire time having to work through that mental fatigue to make sure that my mind is telling my body to do what my body knows it can do. Yeah. I, you know, I, I tell my marathoners, you know, your fingers should be, your arm ends at your wrist. The fingers should always be relaxed. Don't get a, into a clutch because the more fatigue you become, the tighter the fist is. And then that backs up the blood trying to go to your extremities. But um, I tell them in the marathon at 18 miles, you're not going to feel as well as you did at <laughs> 15. I guarantee you. I don't care how much training you have. So it's critical to go limp and relaxed and uh, let the arms do the work for you when your uh, lactic acid is building up in the quads and you know it, it's starting to hurt. Arms will take you through. So uh, one question I had just uh, kind of final touch on the marathon training for a first time marathoner, what's your longest training run that you have people do? Um, 20. Uh, I, in my LA Roadrunner program, it's five months and we get in three, sometimes four 20 milers. And that's at the very end. And the last 20 miler is three weeks prior to the rest. And I don't do it two weeks in a row. It's every other week. Then I drop it back to 12. Then I do, we do 20 again. And so I, you know, a marathon runner, you know, you got to put in the work and, and <laughs> um, the 20, the 20 milers uh, uh, acclimate your brain to know what's going to happen to it. You know, people go into shock at 18 uh, because your body's never been there and saying, what are you doing to me? What are you doing? Knock this off. But the 20 milers is like a dress rehearsal for Broadway. You hit the march, you hit the march, and in excitement uh, and nervousness of opening night, you do it automatically. So that really, the 20 milers really gets you through uh, that last six to eight miles. So one thing that I know that people love hearing is uh, stories that kind of help encourage them or inspire them. Uh, maybe you could tell us a story or two about an old crazy runner that came to you as maybe a beginner and you helped them cross that marathon finish line. Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind, you know, you start your marathon training, let's say for the LA Marathon in March, you start it in August and you're really getting into it in September. Without a doubt, the older runners, old crazy runners, uh, about October, the honeymoon's over. Yeah. You know, the honey, you know, all the adrenaline uh, uh, that got you through, uh, it's tough. And, and, and when they come to me and coach, I think I want to quit. I says, no, you're not going to quit. But I want you, I want you to do I want you to uh, stay home for two weeks. I want you to go out for a half hour a day. Just get your gear on, go out for a half hour a day. And it recharges. And they come back in two weeks. Ah, coach, I, I, I'm ready to go. I, you know, and it, that's how you get them through the tough spot. And, and uh, uh, don't let them quit. You know, an injury is one thing. But um, and mostly it's a mental breakdown and, and um, gee, you see the mileage is going to get longer and I'm tired. But, hey, 
sometimes they overextend and do too much work during the week. And so they have nothing on Saturday morning, but that's another story. Yeah. And it emphasizes the difference between being hurt and being sore. And in those moments when you're pushing a new boundary every single week, that week you run run one mile more is the longest run you've just done if you've not ran a marathon before. And so constantly having to push through being sore because you're always pushing to another milestone. Right. You know, I, 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 when people come to you with that and they're kind of breaking down and, and they lose their confidence and gee, uh, this is harder than I thought. I said, you know what? You are going to finish a marathon. You're going to go 26 miles. I want you to get in your car, turn on your spinometer of zeros, and I want you to go 26 miles and just see how far that is, what you will accomplish. And I say, if you line up all the United States from Mexican border to the Canadian border and one line facing east and, and, and a, a gun goes off and uh, for 26 miles, you're going to be upper half of 1% of the United States by finishing a marathon and maybe more. But, you know, uh, here you are on a Saturday morning. You could be home watching I Love Lucy reruns, but you're out here getting the job done. Is there anyone particular that you remember uh, that was uh, an old crazy runner that, that uh, you helped across that finish line that uh, you really enjoyed coaching? Uh, well, <laughs> how about my wife? Oh, that's a perfect example. Uh, Wait, so you, not, you coached her and you didn't get divorced? No. no well, <laughs> That's another episode. <laughs> well, she was in the right pace group with a good pace leader, but um, it was amazing. She's never been an athlete, never did anything in high school or college athlete. And she says, I'm going to do a marathon. I didn't, couldn't believe it. I, you know... But I, I, I kind of let her go into somebody else's hands. Uh, but to see her blossom, to see her uh, become so excited and immersed into her goal, which just blew my mind away. Um, and, and she ran eight hours. Fantastic. She crossed the finish line of running 26 miles. And, you know, uh, that was just such a... a uh, excitement for both of us since I went with her the last mile. That's awesome. Fun. And what age was this? Uh, she was 60. She's 81 now. And I just want to make sure I heard that that was eight hours was her time? Yes. See, I have always thought uh, I've had way more um, just accomplishment thoughts. Uh, that's a terrible <laughs> yeah. Respect. Respect. That's the word. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For the ones that have to be out there even longer. It's it's one thing to train your body to, you know, sprint effectively for 26 miles and, and finish less than three hours. And that is amazing. And yet I think it's almost more amazing the mental fortitude it takes to be out there hour five and realize you still have three more. You have more hours to go than than the guy that just finished in 232. And still finish. That that just amazes me every time I hear about those. Yeah, you know what? I, I love to kid her. I said, I didn't know how many street sweepers followed the runners at the end. <laughs> and I, I said, you know, we stayed ahead of them, but we could hear them. And uh, she accepts that with a little, but, you know, crossing the line, I don't, you know, 
people say to me, coach, I feel bad and their heads down. I, you know, I ran 622 and that's so slow. Then I have to wake them up. What are you talking about? Exactly. What, you know, I tell them about the whole country running at 26 and where they would finish because they will finish, you know, and, um, they usually perk up. Well, and I'm sure they probably had stronger personal aspirations and, you know, they might be comparing themselves to others, but they're probably just let down that they they didn't maybe hit the mark that they were hoping to hit. Right. I'm sure you guys have been through a marathon or a half marathon and the last mile, never again. (laughs) Why do I do that? Never again. And so when you hit the finish line, they take your chip off your shoe. And by the time you get to pick up your medal, you're thinking, when's the next one? Well, I can tell you personally, after my second one, uh, my second marathon, I was saying that actually more like mile 22. It was brutal. And (laughs) I've held true to that. (laughs) And uh, my cousin's laughing because he is, I I think he's pretty convinced that he thinks he's going to convince me to get out there and do it a third time. And where are you falling? I'm still in the bottom half of that decision. I just, it'd be hard. All right. Well, I'm going to challenge. I'm going to list Coach Pat to peer pressure you. There's good reason for me to take it on. <laughs> uh, but you know what's important, and I look back on that personally, and I've I've expressed this before. I know where I failed in my preparation, and in no small part because I went at it on my own, and I didn't have a community around me at all, and there oh, were a number tough. of times where. I just I wasn't doing the extra things that I needed to be doing to put myself in a position uh, to win or just not even really to win, but just to achieve the goal that I had in mind. Uh, And, you know, I found that out brutally. The Portland Marathon at the time climbed the St. John's Bridge at mile 17. And you mentioned mile 18 and I'm in my mind going, oh, I remember that moment. (laughs) That was somewhere going up that stupid ass hill they sent me up. And I think that's important. Maybe I'd love to have you talk a little bit about how important and how much easier it is to reach these goals when you have a group of people around you pushing and pulling you along. Yeah, my compliments to you. I mean, that is so terrific. Under those conditions to train by yourself for a marathon uh, and and complete the job because, you know, running in a group, you know, it's, it's like when I was in the military you know, left, right, left, right, lift your yeah. head and hold it high. You know, we had those chants as we would run, and uh, it just takes like a moth. It takes your mind off of uh, actually pain and uh, thinking about something else and having people next to you, and um, it's a whole different ball game. I, gosh, there's someone to train all by themselves and achieve a marathon. That is terrific, terrific. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I I greatly appreciate it. I beat myself up all the time, and uh, maybe that's probably why I need to get out there and do this one more time. With a group. With a group. Yeah. So uh, we cannot thank you enough, Coach Pat. And um, also, uh, I heard a lot of echoing in how we usually end the podcast is just to keep putting in the miles and keep showing up. Um, and it's so much easier to show up when you have a group of friends there waiting for Absolutely. you at the starting line. Um, can't thank you enough. Um, I am so happy you continue to coach everyone. I'm hoping that someday, uh, in the future, especially after the pandemic is a little bit more under control, make a road trip and show up down for a, a training session on Tuesday evening. That would yeah, be great. Yeah, I'd love to have you. 
that would be so great. That would be so much fun. Well, yeah. thank thank you as well. Uh, I really enjoyed having the opportunity to have a conversation with you. Um, all that you've done and the time that you've given us today. Great. Well, I love talking about running, especially with runners uh, with uh, goals and attitude. Both of you have. Well, thank you, and uh, we'll put in some more goals and uh, raise those attitudes up, and then we'll check back in with you. Yeah. All right. Thank you so very much for having me. Man, oh, man, uh, super inspiring, and I think we might be on the road to you doing another full. Uh, the sad part about that, I don't know if it's a sad part, what really started making me think about doing another, the other full was that litany of coaching advice that he gave and just going, oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't do that. Yep. And I was able to do a very short um, running uh, coaching program uh, with a Chi running instructor, which is basically a lot of the same things that Coach Pat was talking about. And I can't tell you enough how much that has affected me on my runs, where I'll be running along and something will hurt or something, or I feel myself slowing down. And instead of just trying to like, oh, I'm slowing down. Let me put more effort into it. I just go back to the technique. I had three basic takeaways. That was one takeaway. Uh, number two is how important uh, the run group and community is. Yes. And uh, then number three was how important running is as a, almost like a life balancing. Therapy. I mean, yeah. this is the fourth time that that has been brought up that uh, in those moments when I am physically, emotionally, and mentally at my breaking points, mm -hmm. this has been a release valve. Yeah. And it's a way to get out there. I, I like how Coach Pat emphasized uh, the outdoor aspect of what running brings. Because you mentioned that. You're like, there's yeah. other ways. There's other physical mm -hmm. activity. What is it so unique about running? And uh, he went right past the idea of being on a treadmill. I think he probably yeah. looks at that just like being in the weight room. I fucking hate the treadmill. <laughs> I hate the treadmill as well. I know, and, and it's hard to keep your, your form correct on a it treadmill. Is. That's what I loved about him is, is, is those things and the community and getting outside and, and uh, working on technique and kind of, uh, I feel like it just brought everything back to simplify everything and get back to those basics and simplification. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Old Crazy Runners. Take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and tell all your friends how much you love listening in. And be sure to go by Strava and join the Old Crazy Runners Podcast Run Club because that's where all us old crazies hang out and that's where we encourage each other to keep getting out there, keep putting in the miles, and keep being old crazy runners. <laughs>